Bobella is wrong. Welcome to another edition of In Ring Reality. I, of course, am your host, Rathman's Reality, and welcome to your Saturday edition where we go over the week's news and I give my opinions and takes on it, as well as answer any and all fan questions and feedback from you, my listeners. So, kind of a slow news week this week, but despite that, there's a heck of a lot to say and a heck of a lot to go over. The story this week began with the unfortunate sad news that the injury to NXT champion Tommaso Ciampa is actually far worse than we were led to believe, and Ciampa is suffering from spinal stenosis. He underwent surgery earlier this week and obviously subsequently has had to vacate the NXT Championship. I did talk a little bit about this and what ended up being due to unforeseen personal circumstances yesterday's NXT UK and NXT edition of the show, but I will expand more on it here. The most disappointing thing about this isn't just the fact that Tommaso Ciampa is going to be gone several months now and he's had to vacate the NXT title. It's twofold. Number one, it's the fact that after three plus years of build with Johnny Gargano and arguably the best men's storyline in the entire company of WWE, he won't get a chance to finish that storyline the way they intended it to be. Now, could it be a silver lining and if he's able to return in 12, 18, 20 months, something like that, that we see the storyline concluded or even rebooted and restarted and told on the main roster? That is an extreme possibility. However, this was NXT's hallmark. This was the storyline that most people got into the brand for. So it's just really, really disappointing that we won't see a conclusion of this storyline. The other aspect of it that's really, really disheartening is that this is the second time, the first being at the start of the storyline, way back when Jamba first turned on Gargano at NXT TakeOver Chicago a couple of years back, that Tommaso Ciampa has been injured in the middle of this storyline and injured as a whole to the point where he is going to probably be labeled injury prone. Even if he is one of the few people like Sheamus who has a form of spinal stenosis where he can still work for the company, it is a thing where they're not really going to want to invest in him probably all that much because they're going to be like, well, he's just going to turn around and be gone from the screen again soon. So why would we put so much work into him? And that's really, really disheartening and really, really disappointing and something that I wish wasn't the case because Tommaso Ciampa is one of the greatest workers in the business, period. So I wish him all the best. It looks from the footage on WWE.com that he's in good spirits and hopefully we will see him back in a WWE ring again because he definitely deserves it and hopefully WWE will not sour on him maybe by the time he's able to make a return Triple H will be officially in charge of the company as Vince will be distracted by the XFL 
So maybe by then it will be a non-issue because Triple H, more than anybody, knows what kind of main event player that Tommaso Ciampa can be. Next up in news that I believe just broke today or late last night, it's being reported that the tag team of the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, otherwise known as the major players in the Bullet Club from the tag team side of things, reportedly turned down a brand new multi-million dollar deal to remain with WWE and will be leaving WWE when their contracts expire in September. This to me is not really a big surprise. What has WWE done with the Good Brothers? Absolutely nothing. They've had one random title reign and one or two random reunions of the Bullet Club known as the Club from WWE standpoint because obviously they can't use the Bullet Club moniker. But other than that, they've done stupid things like pretend to be doctors against the New Day and all this other stuff that makes absolutely no sense. And whenever they show up on TV, it's like, oh, well, Gallows and Anderson are just here to lose. So I'm not surprised at all that Gallows and Anderson are going to leave the company. If I was them, I maybe not even would have come to WWE. So absolutely best of luck to the Good Brothers. They deserve so much better. Carl Anderson, of course, is my home state boy from the Natty, Cincinnati, Ohio. So I really want to see these two guys succeed. And I foresee them being one of the cornerstones of the AEW Tag Team Division as soon as possible. They're going to go get in the face of their good friends, the Young Bucks. They're going to go get in the face of the Lucha Bros. They're going to go get in the face of whatever other top tag team that there is an AEW for them to get in the face of, and it's going to be great. They're going to be great in AEW. The Revival, I think, might eventually be great in AEW, depending on what happens with this run with the Raw Tag Team titles. This is why AEW is such a good thing overall for professional wrestling, because it gives an alternative, and it gives guys who simply don't fit the WWE mold, that WWE doesn't know what to do with, girls too, by the way, an opportunity to go somewhere where they can be appreciated. If you haven't listened to the episode of Talk is Jericho, where Chris sat down with the boss of AEW, the financial boss, Tony Khan, listen to that interview. Tony Khan is a massive wrestling fan, and I'm so excited for everything that they're going to do with this company. We'll have more on AEW speculation later on as it plays into our fan questions of the week. Now, as I say, it was a slow news week this week. Most of the other news has already been covered through the reviews of the shows because it had to do with fallouts of the show or things that happened during the week directly affected what happened on programming. However, this final news story is a huge one and it's one that I know all of you are dying to hear what I have to say about. So let's get into it. For those of you who might be unaware, because not everybody's into YouTube, Ronda Rousey has a series on YouTube, a vlogging series called Ronda on the Road, which is exactly what it sounds like. Her experiences in WWE and life on the road and just sewing what she does from week to week. This is where she debuted the news a couple of months ago that she would be appearing at Sony Blade 
for the last pay-per-view. So, this is a really cool, fun series to watch. I'm a regular viewer of it because I love seeing that behind the curtains aspect of wrestling. Obviously, that's the case because I host this show. I'm a huge fan of everything that has to do with professional wrestling and I will soak up every bit of it. So, I found it really interesting and really surprising this week when on this week's edition of Ronda on the Road, Ronda Rousey caught what those in the business or those fan insiders like myself like to refer to as a shoot style promo where she pulled back the curtain and just told about how she feels about real life and real things going on in WWE and this really really took me aback and this is why people are still reacting to this promo. So let me read you the transcript of what Rhonda has to say before I tell you about my feelings about it. Now keep in mind that this is a family friendly program. We don't want the youngsters, the young wrestling fans who are big fans of myself to not be able to listen to the show. So I will be very much censoring this promo, but you will get the gist of what Ronda says here. Referring to what happened on Monday Night Raw with her heel turn, Rousey says, It wasn't a promo. They gave me things to say and I didn't blank say it. It's not a promo. It's not an act. I'm not going out there and doing their blank act anymore. I'm going out there and doing whatever the hell I want. And they can explain it however they want. But screw them, again, me replacing a word there, screw them, WWE Universe included. I mean that I'm going to disrespect the sport that they all love so much. Oh, don't break kayfabe, Rhonda. Wrestling is scripted. It's made up. It's not real. None of these girls can touch me. The end. Again, censoring the end of that promo. Now, what everybody's asking, obviously, in this situation is Raz or... Every wrestling fan, every wrestling insider out there in the world today. Is this a work? Is this scripted by WWE to further this feud with Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair? Or is this real? Is Ronda had enough and she's being UFC Ronda and a line has been crossed here and what is going on? So here's the bottom line of this situation. Like I said last week when we talked about their recent Twitter exchange where Becky photoshopped her husband over her arm and things like that. There's no way that any of this would not be signed off by WWE. This is exactly the intention that WWE wants us to have. They want us to ask these questions and they want moments like Becky flailing her knees after the Ronda beatdown, trying to get Ronda so bad making it look like she actually legitimately got beat up. This is what they want. They know who Ronda Rousey is. They know the realism they have with Rousey like they have with Brock Lesnar. And they want to play off of that. And finally, for whatever reason, they decided to go ahead and stop presenting her as Ambassador Ronda Rousey, turn her heel, and make her UFC Ronda Rousey. So this actually was supposed to go down. The problem with this promo and where it becomes a problem and why I have so much to say about it is that it's one thing to tell 
Razzy, okay, be yourself. Don't worry about being scripted. Don't worry about falling all over your words. Just cameras on, cut a promo. That's great. That's what they should have done with her right from the word go, as I say. The problem here is that by her saying wrestling is fake, it's scripted, it's made up, it's not real, it makes everything that's went down with Becky especially and more recently Charlotte being inserted into things, something that we're told as an audience, as fans, as listeners, whoever we are in any given situation to not care about. If Ronda Rousey is saying nothing I do in a WWE ring matters, then why should we as purveyors of the product care about what's on our screen? The answer is we shouldn't. There's a reason that kayfabe has always existed. Yes, most people know that wrestling isn't real. Most people know that these women or men are not going out there and actually fighting one another. But the reason that kayfabe has always existed to this day is because there has to be some element of believability in order to be entertained by what we are seeing. So in order to maintain that, kayfabe has to be something that exists because if it doesn't, there's no point in being invested in the product. And that is where I, myself, and every long-term wrestling fan or a wrestling fan of any kind has such a problem with what Ronda did here. Because basically what she's done is made it so that when she taps out to the disarmer from Becky Lynch, because we all know it's going to happen. If it doesn't happen, I riot. We all riot. We know what's going to happen at WrestleMania. And we all know what the conclusion of WrestleMania is going to be. The man is going to stand tall over the so-called baddest woman on the planet and the so-called queen. But it makes it difficult to remember to be excited about that because you've just heard the main player in this feud say it shouldn't matter to be invested in this because nothing is real. This was way too far and this was something that WWE should not have done. That being said, however, for those of you that are unaware of this fact, it's not unprecedented. Back at WrestleMania 9, when Bayman Bigelow faced football legend Lawrence Taylor in the main event matchup, Bayman Bigelow went on to the talk show circuit and everywhere outside of the then WWF, who WWE is today, and basically said, yeah, we're scripted, we're not real, but when I step into the ring with Lawrence Taylor at WrestleMania, that's going to be a real fight. We've seen something similar this very week from Triple H and Batista, but I said the same thing there that I'm saying here. I don't really like when the business goes in this direction because it makes it harder to be invested in storylines. Now, obviously me being who I am and Becky Lynch meaning what Becky Lynch does to me as an individual, nothing is going to take away from my enjoyment of what will be the greatest women's match in the history of the grand stage of them all, WrestleMania. However, I wish that this would not have happened. There's no two ways about it. 
them going in this direction didn't make a bit of sense. And not only does it not make a bit of sense from a kayfabe believability standpoint, but remember who the real Rowdy Ronda Rousey is. Remember where the Rowdy and Rowdy Ronda Rousey comes from. It comes from a deep love and appreciation of her favorite performer of all time in the business, Rowdy Roddy Piper. It comes from getting the Rowdy one before he passed away to give her permission to utilize that moniker. It comes from this is all she's ever wanted to do since she was a child and UFC was simply a means to get in to WWE at some point. But suddenly we're supposed to believe that that individual doesn't care anymore about the sanctity of the business. Don't get me wrong. I 100% get why you had to turn Ronda heel. There has never been a woman that's more over than the man Becky Lynch. The man Becky Lynch is so over that it may be a situation where the crowd is never going to boo her ever again. Therefore, in this matchup, there's only one true face in this entire situation. So instead of finding what the crowd was doing and booing Ronda out of the building, just embrace it. Have her talk about her frustrations with it. Talk about being booed out of her hometown. Turn her heel. That's great. What they did on Monday, that's great. What she did on the blog, doing a version of that, there's not one single issue there at all. The problem is, don't take it this far. Find a way for Ronda Rousey to be UFC kick butt Ronda Rousey without breaking kayfabe like this because it ruins what you're trying to do in the eyes of many fans and especially casual viewers who are like, well, if this is the approach WWE is taking now where they don't want their fans to care what's going on on the screen, why should I? So that in essence is how I feel. I do believe that Ronda Rousey worked herself into a work. I do not believe that this is a shoot. I believe that there were shoot elements of it that were signed off by WWE. But they let Ronda Rousey take things too far and it is a real shame of a thing that happened. And finally, I have two fan questions for you to end this week's show. So my first question comes from my good friend Abby on Instagram. What's up girl? She asked me, what are my opinions on the Seth Rollins Brock Lesnar feud? Do I like it or do I not like it? Why or why not? Well, Abby, I like the idea of Seth and Brock facing off. I think Seth is the number one men's baby face on Raw, despite Roman Reigns being back now. Seth should be in that spot, and I'm glad he is. But the problem is, because Brock Lesnar is never around on our screens, it's hard to be invested in anything that is going on with this feud and with the S.H.I.E.L.D. reuniting now. I wouldn't be surprised if there are people out there who go, oh yeah, Seth Rollins is facing Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. He's not going to be in a S.H.I.E.L.D. match at WrestleMania unless they turn the Universal Championship match into a Fatal 4-Way match. So, that's the problem I have with it. Great on paper, but a horrible job of building. So, 
in the next four weeks up until Mania, they've got to fix that. They've got to remind the crowd why they should be invested in what will be an amazing match on paper. So I'm glad it's happening, but I hate the way WWE has gone about booking it. And lastly, from supporter David Griffin, he asked, What are my thoughts on the recently revealed WrestleMania 36 logo and location? And my thoughts on WWE Hall of Famer good old JR Jim Ross leaving the company for AEW All Elite Wrestling at a reported $1 million per year deal. Well, I want to address the latter first because the key word there, David and listeners, is reported. Nothing has been confirmed yet about JR signing with AEW because none of the major players, be that Tony Khan, Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, or the Young Bucks, have come out and said, we have landed Jim Ross. So until that happens, we cannot treat this as official. Do I believe that Jim Ross is truthful when Jim Ross says, I won't be out of work for very long at all. This is what's going to happen. I am going to go to AEW. Is it pretty much a foregone conclusion that he, he will end up there? Most likely, yes. But we can't call it official just yet. That being said, Jim Ross is worth every bit of a $1 million deal for however long AEW wants to give him $1 million. Jim Ross is arguably the greatest wrestling commentator of all time and is a huge get for all elite wrestling. So I'm very, very happy about it to an extent. And what I mean by that is if you've listened to JR's recent commentary in New Japan, it almost feels at times like he doesn't really care anymore about the wrestling business. Like he doesn't know how to handle the modern day wrestling matches and the way the athletes go about their business because he goes out there and he is used to calling a match where it's three or four to six moves a match and it builds to your finish and that's how you tell a story. It's almost like he loses himself when he sees move after move after move after move after move and doesn't really know how to react to the situation. So my only problem with Jim Ross being hired by AEW when that does officially become the case is will Jim Ross be able to adjust to the modern wrestling landscape and tell a proper modern wrestling story. That is my only worry here. Hopefully, the answer to the question will be yes, and it will be, as I say, a wonderful, wonderful, huge coup of a signing for AEW. And as for the WrestleMania 36 location, Good for Florida. Florida is a big hub for WWE, so good for Tampa. Good for Raymond James Stadium to get the biggest pay-per-view of the year. I wish that WWE would spread out their locations a bit and give other cities and other countries a chance to be a part of WrestleMania. But I get it. You go where the money is, so good for Tampa. I don't like the logo at all, though, because them tying into Raymond James Stadium and having a Buccaneer-like logo is kind of silly because 
we're not going to have a pirate-themed WrestleMania, and it's going to make the color scheme and everything else look a little weird on paper. I'm sure they'll pull it off, and I'm sure as things get closer, I will get used to it. But right now, I'm not the biggest fan of the logo we have had revealed. That's going to do it for this edition. I, of course, will see you on Monday for the WWE Fastlane pay-per-view review edition of the show. Thank you for all of the support. Thank you for the love on Google Podcast and Apple Podcast. Be sure to continue to leave those five-star reviews on those two platforms as regardless of whether you listen to the show on Spotify, Overcast, anywhere else. If you leave that five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, it aids the algorithm and helps this program get into the ears of more great wrestling fans like yourself. And that, of course, is what I want and what I'm sure you, the listeners of this program, want as well. And as always, this has been your Razman's Reality Check.